Welcome to Please Don't Kick Me Out, a podcast about imposter syndrome. This podcast started with me just kind of interviewing my friends, and now we're at a point where I'm interviewing people who inspire me. Every week you are going to hear how someone else identifies with the feeling of not fitting in and success. So let's just hop into the episode and thank you for all of your continued support. Hey weirdos, I want to share something with you I've been doing for a couple of months now. It is called Forbidden Bingo with my friend, DJ Rockstar Aaron. We are both from Denver. Uh, Great human. Something that they put on virtually out of the kindness of their heart every week. And I'm just going to start by saying it's 18 plus, just so you know. Um, but it's Forbidden Bingo. Forbidden Bingo is so much fun. You can play it in person if you live in Colorado or if it plays other places, or you can play it virtually online every Thursday at 7 p.m. Pacific. Wow, I'm bad at time zones. But you know what? Just go to ForbiddenBingo.com, grab your tickets, and tell DJ Rockstar Aaron and Rich and all the other people that are playing that I sent you. That's ForbiddenBingo.com and unofficially, officially sponsors this podcast. This week's episode features Doug Sands. Doug is a hypnotist. It's a really great conversation. I'm really excited to share it with you, so I hope you enjoy the episode. Thanks for all of your continued support. Hey, how's it going? Hey, it's going very well. Thanks for having me. You are so very welcome. It is a new year. I mean, I don't know if I want to give it back or keep it, but uh, to my listeners, this is Please Don't Kick Me Out, a podcast about imposter syndrome, and the lovely and tipper voice you're hearing on the other end is Doug Sands. Doug, would you like to give your elevator pitch, who you are, what you do, etc.? Absolutely. My name is Doug Sands. I call myself the Meaningful Life Hypnotist because I work with people to help them find essentially their life's purpose. That's a That's a brief way of describing it, but I work a lot with anxiety relief and I work a lot with people who, who are in that spot. They want to pursue their dreams, but they are still held back by anxiety and perhaps mental illness. Personally, I've struggled with depression and anxiety. And so those two are very personal to my, uh, to my journey. And so that's really what I specialize in. I specialize in working with anxiety with hypnosis, and I extend that into helping people find their purpose. That's great. I think that's awesome. Um, in the last year for me, I've, I've taken it upon myself to really kind of, um, you know, take the time I have, um, and, and use it meaningfully. And, uh, one of the big proponents was starting this podcast and having conversations with people who are already on their own mental health journey to kind of figure out or be better versions of themselves or kind of figure out their traumas or what's ailing them or holding them back. Um, and so, uh, last year I took my own advice because I was giving the advice to, you know, seek therapy and, 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 combat mental health and all of that and figure out trauma. And I've been doing that for the better part of, it'll be a year in, in May. And I will say that, that it is so beneficial to be able to kind of, um, think through your problems from like one, like from its core start to like how to get to a better outcome. Um, so I'm, I'm, I definitely love what you do. And I think um, there's so much value in it for not only your clients, but for my listeners. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, we'll just uh, hop into the first question, um, which is, of course, uh, do you feel like you have it all figured out? <laughs> of course not. Uh, there, are, there are moments, 
I feel like I've got it figured out. Uh, mostly like a couple hours after like a recent success, you know, if something really goes well in the business or if I have a really great change moment with a client, then I feel like things are going well. But, you know, the next day comes around and you're figure, trying to figure out what to do in your business or trying to figure out how to help a new client. Uh, there's so many different ways uh, to to use hypnosis with, with clients. And on the other side of that, there are so many different ways that the problem can present itself. And so I'm still continually seeing things that I've never seen before. Like I had someone come into me, come into CV last week uh, who was dealing with both irritable bowel syndrome and uh, underlying anxiety. And no matter what I was trying, like I could not, I could not like get this to budge. And it wasn't until I like completely scrapped my ideas of what this problem was and just used some very basic hypnosis problems that we really were able to resolve it. Uh, it's, it's all about that idea of control, of thinking, you know, am I in control enough to, to have it all figured out or am I not? And slowly, I guess I'm realizing, you know, I've got to loosen my grip and realize that uh, the real control is just being adaptable and letting things happen and accepting more of, of what comes so that I can, so that I can deal with it properly and, and wisely in that situation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I'm just going to pause for a second. If my listeners hear like a uh, crinkling sound, Bourdain is going ham on a toy. Sorry. <laughs> He's like on the other side of the room, like just being as loud as possible. It's like anytime I hit click record, he does it. But to go back to your points, um, I think that's uh, great. I think it's a good outlook. Um, and also, uh, you know, I, it kind of reminds me of, of, or maybe in just in general, the last year has really shown people that the only control you have is completely, completely adaptability because, um, you know, I, I'm at a point now where I'm not grieving the things I cannot do. I'm not upset about the things I'm missing out on because I'm not missing out on anything. Um, I'm a, but I'm also a military spouse. So because of that, I don't have a say <laughs> in a lot of like where I go, what I do, when my partner comes back, when he's around, um, he's currently deployed. So I, I, I don't know when he's coming back, right? So I, and we're moving after this. Like, so it's like, I, I kind of had had to figure out within the last year, especially in, you know, losing my job and, and my husband kind of being away from me and then back and then away again. I've had to kind of realize that similar to you, that you just have to kind of loosen your grip and be adaptable because you really can't control anything besides yourself. Um, and especially with this pandemic too, I mean, I think, I think we all kind of took a year to like grieve it and be sad about it, but Hey, it's a new year and we're still in it. So all I've kind of come to realize, um, is that it's, it's okay that I don't have the answers and it's okay that I don't know what's going to come up next because all I can do is just live it one day at a time. And, and I agree with you. I think that's a really great outlook. Um, I also think it's, 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 uh, important to remember that like, you know, none of us have it figured out because none of us expected this. Absolutely. It reminds me of something that comes from my own adventures. Uh, so I do, I do powered paragliding at times, which is just, uh, it, it's like a, it's like a, um, a solo powered flight. Mm -hmm. And in that um, you sometimes hit pockets of air and you have no control. Like you drop like a stone for just a couple seconds. And when they talk about, uh, they talk about veteran flyers who, who are really experienced in all this, they say they have a high bump tolerance mm -hmm. that they can go through these pockets of air that might completely throw them off if they were inexperienced and they know how to, how to correct, how to correct their course and to keep themselves safe, even when things are, are a little bit scary and out of their control. Yeah. 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I, and I, I don't personally have experience paragliding, but I, I do have friends that um, their favorite thing in the world is formation jumping. Ah. Uh, so I've kind of, you know, I watch their videos, even though they, they, they give me like a pit in my stomach, I get so nervous <laughs> watching them, but I kind of, it reminds me of when they talk about it, of how like, okay, well, I know I'm supposed to do this, but sometimes you can't do that. And you have to kind of, you know, course correct to point A, B or C, like in your arsenal of like what you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's, it's again, going back to that adaptability thing, I think it's a great great outlook. Um, and I guess kind of before we hop into like the feeling of imposter syndrome, uh, I feel like hypnosis is, 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 you know, it's, it's a tool that a lot of, um, you know, mental health professionals can use in their arsenal, but it's, it seems to be something or somewhat of a more recent phenomenon in terms of its popular and gaining popularity. Um, what got you into it? Oh gosh, what got me into it? It's, so I started life wanting to be an English author. And to just give you the, the brief story, uh, I, I was searching for purpose. I dropped out of college and I started doing seasonal work out on the East Coast. And I went on a hike in a blizzard and I got lost. And uh, it was as close as, ever, as I've ever come to, to, to dying, essentially. I was lost in this blizzard. And if I didn't get myself out, I knew I was going to freeze to death there. And I went back to my life thinking I'd just you know, gloss over the mental health issues as I'd done forever, essentially. But the, I couldn't do that anymore. I couldn't keep living the life that I was living. And so I started searching for things to help calm myself. And that's when I discovered meditation. Mm-hmm. And through learning about meditation and the science behind it, I was uh, researching the brainwave patterns. And I stumbled across this podcast talking about how hypnosis was very similar to certain guided meditations. And I'd always thought of hypnosis as just a stage show, a comedy thing. And when I heard that it was something that people were actually using for positive results, I I was blown away. So I researched it and I got certified. And ever since, it's just been something that's that's fascinated me. And so now I've built my business around it. Yeah, that's that's super cool. Um, I actually have a family member. Um, my my sister in law has used hypnosis in the past. Um, uh, Every one of my husband's side of the family suffers from a lot of anxiety. My husband currently is, you know, working through his own issues um, aboard the ship, which is great. Mental health is being pushed, um, but. It, she had really bad anxiety and I guess she used hypnosis in high school to like in college to like help her out of it. Um, and, uh, you actually messaged me, um, around the same time she was asking me if I had any interest in working with, uh, one of her friends that was getting certified. And I was like, I have no idea. And then you messaged me and I was like, huh, serendipitous. (laughs) So, um, that's, I think that's really cool. Um, and, uh, I think it's a really, you know, profound story. And, you know, similar to you and, and maybe not like, cause I, I, I'm obviously not a therapist or anything like that. I, I just, I'm an armchair therapist in the sense that I just talk to people about their lives. Um, but I kind of, I had an opportunity to really kind of figure out how to um, break a cyclical pattern mm-hmm. um, just based on some of the things that happened um, in my childhood and in my adult life um, that were very traumatic for me. I, similar to you, would just sweep them under the, under the rug and I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't try and explore like how much damage that did or this is why this happened because of this. Um, so uh, when I started therapy and I'd always avoided it, I'd avoided it forever and ever and ever and ever because I, one, I never clicked with my therapist. Two, I just never really, um, I never really, I couldn't see the value even though I knew it was valuable. I couldn't see the value because I just couldn't see like taking time out of my busy schedule to do it. 
Um, and then the pandemic happened and I was able to FaceTime, you know, with a, with a, with a mental health professional, a psychologist, a therapist. And, um, so that was very powerful for me when I started doing this and it started clicking and it started working and I started feeling better. And then I was like, my eyes were even open even further. And now I've got other friends that are like reaching out and they're getting therapy because they're seeing like how much more of a, like, I, I don't even know if I'm like more of a person, but how much more introspective I am maybe is the better term. Like I don't do things without consequence. And there's two things that happened last year. I was diagnosed with ADHD um, shortly after getting laid off. I was late well, I was laid off got diagnosed with ADHD and then I started therapy. Those, those three things combined um, were a chance for me to really figure out myself. And the cyclical pattern that I was trying to break was that I get in my own way constantly. Like mm -hmm. I am the common denominator for the reason that I don't succeed sometimes or the reason that I cannot accept my successes. I'm also quick to put myself down, like all of these things. And so like my therapist and I were we work very hard to get back to the root of the cause of it. And um, I will say it was very, very eye-opening. Um, and it, it's given me a lot more respect towards mental health and what people do and mindfulness and meditation and even hypnosis. It's given me so much more clarity on just how much these things can help you. Absolutely. When I speak to therapists, sometimes I get this, this negative response. Like it's, I'm trying to replace them or something. But when we're working in the mental health field, we're all we're all working on one different corner of the same puzzle. We're trying to figure out the human mind and it's, it's something that's so complex. And aspects of hypnosis, they're taken directly from psychology mm -hmm. and from neuroscience. And the same thing goes in the reverse direction. I mean, this thing has been studied for over 125 years and the language patterns that come out of hypnosis, there are psychologists who are actually bringing this into their, into their therapy rooms even if it's just a way to calm their clients down, you know, to get them to open up about something that's really, really bothering them. Yeah, I apologize. I just looked behind me real fast. <laughs> my dog just hopped into my husband's computer chair. I was like, where is he? I turned around, I, it, it went completely quiet. I turned around, I could not see him. I started to have an initial panic. I'm listening to you in one ear and all of a sudden I just see like these two little paws sticking out. Anyway, <laughs> that's, I think that's really interesting. Um, I think it's interesting because uh, I think there's, um, you know, I don't, as much as there's like the DSMVR and all of those things in psychology and the things that they study and to get into psychiatry and all of that, I do think that there's, um, like, like, you, like you're saying, like there's these roadblocks and these tools and these things that they all kind of take from each other to like help create, you know, a, a better vision of something and, and help a, a client. Um, it can just be, it can be a helpful tool in an arsenal of a multiple strategies. Um, so I think it's cool that, you know, th th those things are starting to like meld together. It's not as, you know, taboo. It's not like a show, like you said earlier, where, um, you know, every sitcom in the nineties had a hypnosis episode, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, or, or, you know, and it's like, that's far-fetched. Like, there's no way that that's a thing. And so it's, it's nice to know that it's getting like legs, it's helping people, it's doing the beneficial thing. Um, so yeah. So in terms of imposter syndrome, um, uh, do you feel like you fit in or suffer from imposter syndrome in what ways? And what does imposter syndrome mean to you? <laughs> imposter syndrome, it's been a big part of my life. I grew up in a in a rural part of Wisconsin where it was this this hyper masculine um, this this air that was just 
you, you couldn't escape it essentially. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even realize just how hypermasculine this place was until I left it and came back. And we didn't talk about our feelings. We didn't talk about the reason we were doing things. And oftentimes I discovered we were using our, our busyness to avoid how we felt. And so I felt a lot of, a lot of my childhood, I felt like I was, I was kind of invisible because everyone was working all the time and we were always constantly separated. Like we were, we were there in the same room, but we never actually talked about how we were feeling. So we never actually connected on that deep level. Uh, my father was pretty distant as well. And so I had developed this case of perfectionism, trying to prove that I was worthy of love. And imposter syndrome for me is, it's become, or it had become an inner voice that, um, that really was running my life. And I had to learn how to silence it in order to do what I love. And that's, that was one of the first major breakthroughs with meditation. I was able to at least quiet that inner voice, that, that fear of not being enough. And that's what showed me like, this might actually have some, some value in my life. And working with imposter syndrome, having dealt with it myself, it's now one of the biggest things that I help other people with. And so helping them feel worthy of the life that they're building is such a crucial part of what I do. And having that, that background of having felt that pain myself, I now know exactly, <laughs> exactly what they're going through so that mm -hmm. I can walk them through that process. Um, awesome. Hey, fellow invisible child and high achiever. What up? <laughs> yes. um, uh, same, same. I, um, it has been a journey. It has been very difficult. It is hard. Like it's hard when you realize like that, like this little voice is telling it's, it's running your life. You don't really realize how much it's doing that until you start for me, it was journaling. It was journaling. Like I feel this feeling. And then I would write it down like four days in a row. And I was like, okay, like I'm going to bring this up and let's see what, what we can do about it. And, and, and especially in mindfulness, you start to kind of realize like how often this little shoulder devil comes and tells you like, you're not worthy of this. You don't deserve this. This is not mm. valid. I mean, even when I met my husband, like who, who sees me for who I am is very, um, you know, pre, pre even going to therapy has always seen me for who I am, has always championed, championed the things that make me unique has always, you know, basically seen me for who I am and could see through the uh, facade I was putting on to try and get employed or to try and keep an employment or to try and, you know, get, get what I needed because I thought that that was like societally what I should be doing. And instead just, you know, was able to see me for the person that I am. And that's been really helpful for me too, to be in a loving relationship where I'm, and it's safe to be myself. Um, and something that um, I learned in the last six months with him being deployed is that I don't, I've, I've, I've been, well, I've been working on it, is, is feeling safe to let that person, that version of me be the everyday version of me that people meet and interact with and that it's okay to be vulnerable and it's also okay to let people see who you are. That has been the biggest struggle for me, at least with my imposter syndrome, is that I've, I've had enough people negatively tell me that it's not okay. I mean, it comes from childhood, not okay to be you. It's not okay to be seen. It's not okay, you know, to just be unique or whatever. Um, and, 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 that's, and that's really what piled it on. So I can go back to so many points of my life and I can, you know, remember the negativity that I just, you know, put on my shoulders like a jacket and, 
and it's been it's been a struggle, but I'm I'm working through it, and I I like I like that that was very eye opening for you, and I and I I appreciate that. So thank you for sharing that. Um, <laughs> as far as um, you know, helping your clients through this, you say that you that that this comes up a lot. Um, you know, this feeling of worthiness and. And, and books I've read and, and my own research and my own stories from people in this podcast, I know that this is a lot, like it happens a lot. I have friends that say it. Um, how do you help them combat that? There are a lot of little tricks and tools that we can use in hypnosis. One of the, the most powerful ways that I found is a variation on affirmations. And I'm sure a lot of your listeners have heard about you know, saying positive things to yourself enough times that you start to believe it. Well, that, that, that can work, but it's, it's kind of a crude, uh, it's a crude method of doing it. What I found is I've taken a tool. I think it comes from um, either energy work or EFT, one of the two, but um, it's called the triple warmer. And essentially what you do, you are supposed to, you're, you tap on a spot on the back of your hand. It's a little channel that runs, um, between between your wrist and your first knuckle of your fingers, there's a channel between your fifth finger and your fourth finger between those bones. And if you tap that while you're saying your affirmation, saying, I am, I, I don't know, I am successful or I am worthy or I am lovable. And you continue tapping that just lightly, lightly enough to hear it. That actually rewires your brain. And if, if you're curious about this, I encourage you just test it out if you're listening to this. Um, do it for like a minute or so and see how you feel afterwards. I didn't believe this stuff at first. I mean, I didn't believe hypnosis at first. And it wasn't until I started practicing it and seeing the results that I really doubled down on it. And, and now I bring it to, I bring it to people. And part of it is overcoming that initial, initial doubt and skepticism. And that's really where the science comes in. All right. That's wild. I think I was doing it right. So is it between your like ring finger and your pinky or is it between your thumb and your index? Ring finger and your pinky. Yep. Okay. I was doing that. I had this like little lightning bolt kind of moment. I was doing that while you're talking and I was telling myself I'm worthy. I'm worthy. I'm worthy. And then like about a minute in, I was like, I feel pretty good. <laughs> Again, I don't understand it, but it, it works. Like, wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah. That's a great tip to my listeners. I mean, that's, take it to the bank, man. <laughs> I don't, I mean, of course, like that's, you know, something you have to do on top of other practices. That's the thing. I think that's the thing that's hardest for people is that it's not just, okay. Dog training is a great example. Like you've heard me kind of like, be like, what is my dog doing? He's a puppy. He's, he's nine months old. Um, he's a Cavalier King Charles Spaniel. They are the most loving, loyal, sweet little dogs, but they are a pain in the ass to train. I have gone through two different trainers. The first trainer, it didn't work out because, um, you know, I didn't really have a plan of like what I needed from him, uh, what I needed from her. My husband was getting ready to deploy. I didn't keep up on any of the training. My husband was completely hands off with the training because he was getting ready to leave. So it didn't really stick. He's got the basics sort of. Then I pulled in another trainer right after my husband was like sequestering and deploying and that I paid for six sessions and for private and she's an incredible dog trainer and I'm just going to stay right here and there our last session is tomorrow and I have not kept up on it at all like when I remember to do it I do it but mm -hmm. it's one of those things where you have to put in the work to get what you want and I'm guilty of not doing it I will be the first to admit that sometimes it can be the hardest thing in the world 
especially having ADHD for me to be like, okay, I know I need to do this thing. And I know that I will get the correct result if I do this thing, but I like that, then I just like have a roadblock and can't do it. So when it comes to like self-care and self-work, those are really hard things for people as well. I mean, dog training, whatever, but your self-care, there's been times my therapist has asked me to do something or my, um, you know, I've been trying to practice something for my mental health. And then I get in my own freaking way. I'm like, I'm not going to do this. Like it's too much. (laughs) It's a lot, you know, you have to do building blocks. So I think that's where people can get tripped up. Do you find that like, if it's too many steps, it can be too much all the time. A lot of people come in and they say, "I, I want you to fix my anxiety and I want it to be done in a single session. And I say that, you know, it's not, a, it's not a magic wand that I just wave and you're fixed. Like hypnosis can, it can do some amazing things very quickly, but you've got to break down those big issues into smaller component parts, into steps. Uh, maybe a first step is overcoming, overcoming those limiting beliefs and eliminating that negative voice. And maybe the next step is then starting to build up your confidence. Like I, I, I liken it to the metaphor of, of building a house. Let's say you have a property and on this property is some old uh, rubbish heap or something that you've got to remove first. Like we can do that in a single session. We could tear out the rubbish heap and slap up some house that might stand, but you need more than a couple sessions and you need a little bit of that buy-in in between sessions when they're doing the affirmations and the other tools that I've given them. They need that to really make sure that house is going to stand. On a different note, um, I also do some work with anxiety or, or weight loss motivation. Mm-hmm. And people come in saying like, can you just make me instantly skinny? And it's, it doesn't work that way. What we do there, we, we work on their motivations to, uh, to change. And then we work on their, their body image and how they see themselves. And then we work on the food cravings, that there's so many different parts to it. And the weight loss only comes in between the sessions as they're doing these things that we've already made the changes for mm-hmm. and continuing with that, that practice that we've already set up for them. Interesting. It makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And like to go back to, you know, adaptability and, you know, everything else we've kind of touched on, it, we tend to be as humans, our own worst enemy because, because we have these powerful computers in our heads, basically, you know, and, and we, and it's, it's, it's crazy just kind of the amount of like things that we do that are learned or ingrained that are so difficult to unravel. So, I mean, props to you for like getting in people's, you know, psyche and helping them kind of find, find, find relief in, in some aspects. Um, you know, anxiety for me has always been something that, um, and I'm pretty candid on my podcast and I always have been, um, I believe, I believe that authenticity is, is very important. And, and at this point I have no idea what I want to do next in life, but we're doing this for now. So, um, I, I found that anxiety and something that like, I've always had to do, and I don't know if it's helpful, but like, it's, it's helped me in the past. Um, I've had a lot less anxiety attacks in the last in the last maybe three or four months, I've been kind of doing this myself as a way to self-soothe. I've just had to tell myself like, I'm okay. I'm okay. Like, this is okay. Like this is, and like bring myself back into that moment. Um, like yesterday's a great example. I drove further than I've driven in a while and I was on the highway and my mind started to wander and I wasn't in that moment. Um, and I had plans to run this errand that I needed to run, which was to pick up some stuff from a, a friend of mine that she moved today that she wanted me to pass forward to, um, military families. And I said, no problem. I'll come get it. So I came and got it. And, um, 
said goodbye. And it was like, almost like the emotions of saying goodbye to someone I probably won't see again. Um, on top of like the, oh, your husband and my husband were on the same ship and he's back and you're moving. And it was just like this emotional kind of roller coaster in my brain. Next thing I know, I'm fully panicking while I'm driving. Mm -hmm. And I had plans to go to the grocery store and there was just something, it's like all of a sudden the anxiety took over and it was like, nope, something bad's going to happen. If you go to the grocery store, you don't need to go to the grocery store. You can do it tomorrow. Just go home. And so I drove myself home and I sat for about five minutes in my car and I just tried to calm down. And then eventually I calmed down. And then I thought about like, okay, well, do I like exit my driveway and go do that thing that I think that I need to do so I don't have to do it tomorrow. And then I was like, you know what? We've done enough. Like, we'll just, we'll table that for now. Like we've done enough. We did, we did what we needed to do. Like, let's not push it. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, it's, it's, I don't know if that's like, I don't, I haven't really talked to Justina, my therapist about it, but, um, it's just something I've, I've, I've had to do recently. I don't know. I mean, it, is that normal? Am I crazy? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that sounds totally legitimate to me. A lot of my, uh, a lot of my clients that come in and the first thing that I often teach them is this idea of mindfulness. And that's exactly what you were doing. Just bringing yourself back to that moment. And it's amazing how, how quickly our, our worry loops and our thoughts can run away from us. And uh, just returning to that moment and really centering in with what's actually happening, what's true around us, that is one of the most powerful techniques that I've found to this date. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, it was happening when I was driving. I was like, um, let's just table you for a sec. Like, I gotta yeah. get where I'm going. And it's it's always in the same, if I, I, it's always in the same spot that I get a little nervous. California drivers are terrible. I'm not from California. I am actually from, well, I was born in Minnesota. I moved to Colorado when I was 10. So I'm from Colorado mostly. Huh. And um, so I grew up driving, you know, in a very different state with very different highways and very different like driving styles. And then I moved to California and um merge lanes are just implied it's either super aggressive or the slowest merger you've ever met and wow. you have to like anticipate what those people are going to do and you know a, a turn signals just implied mm. half the time um so i tend to be the kind of driver that um just because i i don't love driving but because it's just me right now i have to drive if i need to go somewhere run an errand or whatever um but i but i i've made myself do it i i yeah. i used to like even when i was working i would force myself i'd be like oh we need to go here or do something i will drive because i made myself do it so i could get over that fear of like yeah. not like that highway anticipation um, so I've gotten a lot better about it, but there's just something about that merge lane. It's like, I, it's like, I know that like, it's going to be fine. Cause I'm already, I'm already, I'm already on the, you know, defense to make sure that like, I'm going to let someone in or I'm going to speed up because they're not going to, you know, so I, I, I've got that mentality, that football mentality, but um, yeah, my anxiety driving has like never been this bad, but I'm trying, I'm trying to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That reminds me of, of this concept in hypnosis and in psychology uh, about anchors and triggers and um, our responses to those. So our brains, they're constantly trying to find shortcuts, you know, habits and things because there are so many things happening in the world around us that if we had to think about every single process we were doing, we would go insane. And so as you mentioned, um, every single or often how you have the same reaction in that same spot, it might be because your, your brain has been conditioned, whether it was like a one one off a really, really close call, or if it's just continually exposure to, um, to having that negative stimulus in that same spot, 
And so now you anticipate it. I had the same thing with uh, going back to my childhood. Um, I could tell when my father was coming home angry and um, I knew that, you know, this is, this is the day you don't talk to him about your report card or something. And um, it got to the point where even when he was coming home in a good mood, I started to feel that little bit of anxiety. And so those anchors, those triggers in our life, they're very powerful. Yeah. 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 I'm, I can, I can think of like so many times in my life where I've had like that kind of that, that basical, you know, basic, you know, feeling that those feelings. And so it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, I used to, my dad, very similar. So, um, you know, they did the best they could. It's fine. I'm fine. <laughs> so um, in terms of like success, obviously, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you work for yourself. Um, and of course, everyone measures success differently. Um, so what does success look like to you? And do you feel successful? To me, success looks like doing what you love and being able to support yourself. And that that's pretty much it, like the end of story. I mean, if you're happy with what you're doing, whether that's a job you love or a certain creative outlet that you flourish in, that's the key number one. And the key number two on that is to be able to support yourself doing that thing. I think it was Pablo Picasso who said, never do something you hate so that you can do something you love. And for me personally, that was a really huge part of my life. I was, I was the kind of person I could never stay in a job that didn't really feel fulfilling to me. It just, it graded on me like a really mm-hmm. deep part of me. And so I would stay there for three to six months until I couldn't tolerate it anymore. And I'd, I'd fly the coop and I realized it wasn't because I was lazy or I didn't want to work. It was because I wasn't connecting with the work I was doing. And so the work that I'm doing now with hypnosis, it's, it's so fulfilling to me that uh, it's just a joy. And so that's really what I, I love to bring to people who are also searching for that meaning that one, it is possible. You can find something that really does bring you that level of success. And two, it's not as difficult as you think. It's simply taking the small steps day by day and then having the patience to see it through to the end. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, um, I'm currently in the, in the patient part of, of my life. Um, but I, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I, like, like you, I used to, um, you know, maybe it's just that I'm a classic millennial or whatever. They think we job hop and what, whatnot. I, I went to college for something that I, I thought I loved, changed changed gears, found something I loved, couldn't get into those classes. My parents were like, pick a major and stick to it. So I was like, okay. So I switched to journalism and I wanted to do broadcast journalism. I wanted to be a radio DJ, but, but they didn't make money. And they, um, you know, there's a lot of conglomerate and syndicates and it's not even about money for me. That was the issue. It was more that I just really couldn't get into those classes. So I double majored in communications and I emphasized in public relations and advertising because I I liked that kind of, I thought I liked it because my sister did it. And I thought, well, maybe I'll be good at that because originally I wanted to be a graphic designer. Um, And so I, you know, got through college. I started interning. I started working in advertising agencies, but I was also passionate about writing and I was super passionate about music. So I was, uh, you know, I I wrote for some publications. I went to some, you know, festivals. I was in my early twenties and I wrote about stuff. I got to interview some DJs and that was really cool. But, you know, I, I, I kind of like, I quickly told myself that that wasn't going to pan out because mm-hmm. at the time, and it was, you know, kind of a recession at that point in time, like you were, everyone was kind of doing a lot of things for free, if that makes sense. Like if you were yeah. doing something creative, it was free. Um, if you were writing, it was free. Okay. You got paid in concert tickets. Okay. But like, you, we're not going to pay for your lodging. 
um, that kind of stuff. So I, I started interning at an advertising agency, which turned into a job and um, it, I just didn't fit in. And then I went to another advertising agency and then I did some promotional marketing uh, work contract with uh, one of my best friends. And that was pretty fun for a summer. And I just kind of kept hopping and hopping. I, I did stay at a company for three years, which was pretty big. Um, and I was, I was there at a, it was somewhat of a startup marketing firm. And like you was not connecting to any of the work, didn't love it. But I always thought, well, I'll get to where I'll get to as far as I can at this company. And I'll just keep putting in the time because when I would interview, they'd be like, well, why have you hopped so many times? And I'd be like, oh, well, you know, like it just wasn't a good fit or they ran out of money or budget or whatever. Um, so I stayed there for three years and it, it was so debilitating on my mental health. Like I, I, I drank more than I've ever drank in my entire life towards the end of it. I, I hated going into work. I would make excuses and take mental health days. I mean, I was absolutely miserable by, by January, you know, three years later. Mm -hmm. So I ended up quitting the job which was very healthy for me and started focusing on myself and kind of focusing on what I wanted to do next and taking time for me. That's when I met my husband. Um, and he, he was just like, well, this clearly doesn't make you like marketing, marketing doesn't make you happy. Like, why are you trying to continue to do this? And, um, he watched me go through two different jobs that year in the first year we were dating where I, I got laid off in uh, August, actually the day of the solar eclipse that year, 2017, I got laid off. And then I started a startup and then they ran out of money and then I started freelancing and he's just watched me kind of continually kind of fumble my way through, hmm. like thinking this is what I was supposed to do because I didn't know what else to do kind of like, and there were things I liked about marketing, like the creative aspects and the branding and the messaging and the copywriting and the creative things I could do. But the advertising like the paid advertising and that kind of stuff it just wasn't really my jam um so when we moved to san diego got stationed out here i started working for uh this corporate branch of a company and i was their marketing director and i did a lot of really cool stuff and i'm, I'm, I'm to this day very very proud of everything i've done there it was a really great job for a year it was a whirlwind it was a uh, it was good it was great um but of course pandemic hit and i got laid off and it it kind of, I don't know if it jaded me, but it kind of, it kind of put the nail on the coffin that like, I'm done with that. Like I was a marketing director. I got us, I, I approved myself. I've got it as far as I could go. And it's just not for me. Like the fact that they like, I, that the fact that I like gallivanted to the top is mind blowing <laughs> because I mean, but not, but I mean that, that was on the back of 10 years of working my way up. Right. So mm -hmm. it wasn't like it was, it wasn't like I didn't earn it. Um, so starting this podcast and kind of working on projects that are creative have really rein, reinvigorated my zest for life and kind of the things that make me me, the mm -hmm. talents I have to offer and kind of um, the value I bring. So right now my podcast, it does monetize it. I don't make, I make squat. It's fine. I don't, and it's not even about the money. It doesn't matter. That doesn't, yeah. it doesn't matter. What, what, what I find very valuable is when people tell me, this podcast helped me understand that this is normal or mm -hmm. I now feel like I can, I can kind of, you know, I can, I can, I can now bring this to um, someone, a professional such as yourself and we can work on it mm. or, Absolutely. you know, those kind of things, like those are very valuable. So, so I'm kind of in that 
patient spot right now where I'm just kind of, you know, working on it and, and, and doing my thing and, and doing the things that really drive my soul and, and, um, and make me feel, um, good. Um, so, so I agree, like there are just, there's just, you know, there's, there's, there's no reason that anyone should ever, I mean, yes, mon money, there, there are reasons that you probably should, but don't stay there forever. Like don't stay there forever and think that that is going to be the end all. And it's going to be your leap pad into doing what you love because you're going to look back 30 years from now and be like, why did I do that for so long? Yeah. I couldn't agree more. When I was starting this business, I was also in that, that patient spot. Um, I, I'm, I, I, I was trying to do such big things in the early stages that I, I really needed to tone it down and go back to basics and say, this is what, this is what I need to do right now. Mm -hmm. And while I want to get to this really big thing, I need to walk the road and take that journey to get there. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of what I do is encouraging people to, to, to have that patience and stop expecting the immediate results because the results can happen very quickly, but we also have to be patient when they don't. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I also feel like, you know, there, like everyone has different circumstances. Like in my circumstance, like my husband is an officer in the Navy and was enlisted prior and, and we both are very, very good with money. So, you know, it was different for us because there was no children in the way or anything like that. And so he was like, you take this time and do whatever the fuck you want. Like, I don't care. Sorry for my language, but you know, you do whatever you want, like yeah. do whatever you want, because I'm sick of seeing you like a shell of a person, like, just be like, just do what you need to do for you. And, and then it was like, and maybe go to therapy. It's like, okay, all right, got it. Yeah. So I, I, I really, I appreciate that he's given me that opportunity, but for those that don't have that opportunity, I mean, what advice would, would you give them? I mean, it, kind of similar to maybe what you just said, but um, you know, for someone that can't just like rage quit a job or start over or get out of that relationship that they're in, like what, what is like, what are the steps that you tell them to like kind of get where they need to go? I typically start them with a tool that they can manage their own emotions. For me, it, it's meditation. For some people, it's yoga. For other people, it's just leaving the situation and going for a walk. But I always encourage them to find something that really grounds them and really lets them get through that, uh, that negative time in their life. And then the second step is to identify exactly what it is they want. Because a lot of us, we, we don't want to feel things. They come and they say, I don't want to feel anxious or I don't want to be, get angry every time my mother-in-law shows up mm -hmm. or I don't want to feel this negative emotion anymore. Well, that, that's great, but what do you want instead of that? I, I liken it to the example of a ship. If a ship leaves an island in the middle of the ocean, it can go in 360 degrees of any direction, but that doesn't mean it's going to get where it wants to go. If its sole goal is to get away from the island, yeah, it can do that but it might be completely further away from its end goal than when it started. And so when you identify exactly what it is that you want, you can then start to break that down into a roadmap. And that's the third step. Break it down into small achievable steps so that you can feel every day that you are gaining some sort of win, some sort of momentum. Even if it's just a tiny win, like saving $5 to take that, that course that you know uh, that you that might change your life, or whether it's uh, building up a new relationship for your business or your creative project, whatever it is, uh, that's just taking those small incremental steps. That's what really gets you there. 
And so anyone in that spot, I usually start out, get some, find some way to regulate your emotions, find your target state, and then break it down into step-by-steps. Oh, that's really great advice. And I, I think this has been um, a completely insightful kind of conversation, especially surrounding anxiety, imposter syndrome, mental health, all of that. Um, so I'm really glad you reached out to me, but I think we've super addressed the elephant in the room. And of course, you know, I'm going to give you the opportunity to promote and have, you know, my listeners get in touch with you towards the end of this, but we're going to go on to something that I really love asking. Cause I feel like it um, really makes, uh, it really helps me understand. And also my listeners understand like what makes, um, you know, like my guests tick, um, you know, it, it's, it's a very human thing to be fanatical about something and be very excited about something. Um, so what is a, uh, one or a few things you're fanatical about why. And for me currently, I am, and I, I've said this and I'll continue to say it. I'm still obsessed. She was a guest. They were a guest on my podcast, Charlie Hides. I'm still obsessed with drag queen bingo. I play it every Sunday. I cannot say enough good things about it. <laughs> yeah. This week's theme is nineties. I have all of the nineties stuff. I dress like Miss Frizzle. This is going to be easy for me, but I, I I'm just, <laughs> it's, it's the one time a week that I feel the most connected because, well, I have a couple of things I do that I have a community and I feel connected, but it's not like this. This is like this feeling of inclusivity and um, belonging and family. And I yeah. haven't felt that in over a year or almost, a, well, hadn't felt that since, you know, six or eight months. And then I found this thing through a friend and I've been doing it ever since. And I've brought friends into it. We play all over, you know, the United States. I play the UK version now as well as the USA version. Yeah. It's just a lot of fun. So dragqueen.bingo, get your tickets. And that is what I'm obsessed with. Charlie Hydes, I love you. <laughs> I'm sure you're not listening, but that's fine. Um, so yeah, what are you fanatical about? <laughs> My first thought was hypnosis. And that that seems like a cop-out answer. And I, I was thinking about that I think it's more so I'm fanatical about small self-improvement mm -hmm. because I've seen looking back at the steps I've taken, like I, I was progressing so slowly that I didn't think I was changing. It's only when I look back that I see just how far I've come and I've still got so, so much more to improve and so much more to fix and uh, really tune up in my own life. And so any, any chance that I can, I can get to, uh, to change something about myself or to build in a new habit or to learn how to do these things. I'm, I'm all over it. Um, I use yeah. self-hypnosis and I use meditation every morning to just try to build in better habits than the ones that I, I originally came out of the starting gate with. Yeah, that's great. I, I love that. Um, to my listeners, like take a, take a page from uh, Doug's playbook there. Like if you feel like you're not making progress in something, like I, I really encourage you to take a step back, like look back on kind of where you started and where you're at. Uh, I can promise you that anything you're trying to do, you have improved upon. Um, they're like, it, even just trying to make a small change, like there, there is so like, it's just, it's, it's good to celebrate the little wins, especially when, um, you know, a lot of this conversation is like, we're self-defeatists. Uh, it, it's, it's good to celebrate those tiny little wins. Um, you know, and right now while we're in January with all of the new year's resolutions and the, you know, I don't believe in resolutions. I've said that here before I believe in intentions. Um, so I always intend to be a good person and I intend to be, you know, and I intend to continue to be a good person. And, and whatever that means is just continuing to be good, right? Like do good, be good, you know, help others. Like that's always my intention or at least what I set for the year. Call out a cop out, but it works for me. So I like mm -hmm. it. 
Um, because I, I, I think like the biggest thing people kind of do is like, they're, they're starting to make an improvement. It takes 21 days to make a habit change. So, or maybe even more. Um, so not being able to like, look back and be like, ah, well, you know, yesterday I slipped up cause I was on a diet and I ate the wrong thing. That's fine. Get on the horse tomorrow. Like, mm-hmm. you know, so, um, you know, celebrating those small wins and looking back and kind of seeing where, where you, where you come from, where you're going. I like that. I like that kind of idea of like thinking about yourself, like a car and needing a tune up. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, what is one or a few unpopular opinions you have and why I really need to change this one. I, I, I keep, it's fine. Whatever. <laughs> Cantaloupe is trash. I will always say that it's fine. I don't like it, but, um, yeah. What do you, what about you? Well, I guess on that note, I personally love cantaloupe, but also okay. I really dislike coffee. Mm-hmm. I, I, I can't stand it. Like I, I enjoy the smell of it, but the thought of putting putting that caffeine into my body and then becoming dependent on it, I don't know, something about that just trips me out. I, I don't want it. Do you drink any caffeine, like tea? I used to, but really, no, not anymore. I, you know, actually, I think this is like a more common thing that you would think because I have friends that just cannot, like I, I don't know if I like, I force myself to drink caffeine or I just, or I, enjoy, I can't, it's one of those things where it's like, I drink IPAs. I think I like the taste of them, but do I actually like the taste <laughs> of them? Like, so I, I'm kind of like in that vein where I, I don't need it to function. I mean, there's days that I don't have any caffeine, but then there's other times where I'm like, I'm tired. And then I drink the coffee. I don't feel any better. Mm-hmm. I'm like, huh. But so I, I can, I can kind of see that point because you don't really know like what it's doing to your body. Like, and they say it's antioxidants, but then who knows where those beans are coming from and what Very they've true. touched and if they've been cleaned and all of that. So, yep. so it's, it's, it, I agree. I don't, I, I don't think it's a negative thing to say that at all. And I don't know. I, yeah, I drink coffee, but I also drink IPAs. So I probably can't be trusted. <laughs> According Very to my true. husband, he's like, he's like, I don't think you actually like the flavor of those. I was like, yeah, I do. <laughs> and, um, I, I, ever since, so like ever since this pandemic, I've become a, um, a connoisseur of the hard seltzer. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I, I started out as a white clog gal and I'm now a truly, I, I now have like a five, a list of five things I really like. And my husband's a cocktail man. So he likes to make cocktails, but he's not here. So I'm, I don't have anyone making me fancy cocktails. So I just like drink wine out of a box, like a trash panda and drink seltzers. And anytime I've bought beer in the last six months, none of my friends drink beer. And I'm like, am I buying beer? Cause my husband likes beer or because I like, like I'm like trying to like figure out, like, it's just sitting here. Like the last beer I bought, I ended up taking to my in-laws because I was like, uh, I'm not gonna drink this, and yeah. brought it to the in my in-laws for Christmas um, up north, and they were like, Oh, great, we love this. I was like, Okay, because I wasn't gonna drink it. Um, so yeah. yeah, so I think like sometimes we just you know we do things we think that like we we think we like them, but maybe we don't. <laughs> I hear you for sure. Yeah. And as as far as like what's going on in the world, um, especially you know in the last week or two, it's been crazy. Um, What's currently making you happy in the world? I'm currently, I think hope is really making me happy right now. Uh, mostly hope for a vaccine and for, you know, everything to return to normal. Um, I'm really looking forward to traveling and uh, whenever things start to open up again. But also in my personal life and my professional life, things are starting to take off. Like a lot of the work that I put in beforehand, I'm starting to reap the rewards of those efforts that I've done in the past. 
And it's just that hope towards that better life and that little glimmer of realization that it is possible for me and that it's actually, it's actually happening. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I mean, congratulations. That's, that's, that's an exciting feeling to feel like it's all kind of clicking into place. It's going forward. I agree with you. Um, I feel hopeful right now. I feel very hopeful, even though, um, the events of last week were very terrifying. I feel hopeful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I, especially with this vaccine and kind of, and, and all of that, th- there's just, a, there's a hope that even if it's not like a, a normal that we remember, because I don't even remember what normal is like anymore, <laughs> yeah. as long as it's something that feels a little more um, deja vu and a little more familiar. Uh, I think that that would be amazing. And I'm, I'm curious because I think like so much has happened in the last year and so much positive has come and there's been a lot of negative, don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, there's been a lot of negative, mm-hmm. but there's been so much positive and creation and uh, momentum and uh, clarity and, you know, cyclical things ending kind of eyes opening. So I think I agree with you. Hope is something that I am holding on to right now. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to the future brightly. So (laughs) I like that. Yeah, absolutely. So we're coming towards the end of this awesome conversation. And again, thank you so much for your advice. Thank you so much for your insight, your clarity and your authenticity. I super, super appreciate it. Um, I'm sure my listeners appreciate it, but I always like to give my guests the floor to promote whatever they would like. Um, so take it away. What do you want to promote? Absolutely. There's, there's two things I think your audience would really enjoy, especially the ones listening in to this entire conversation. One is what I call the seven day stress-free challenge. And that technique about the triple warmer, that, that's one of the tools that I give people to manage anxiety in between sessions. And I've actually compiled the top seven anti-anxiety techniques that I've found and that I give to my paying clients into a video series. And these are tools for meditation, psychology, NLP, neuroscience, and more. And these are very, they're, they're very simple to do. Like they take less than, I think the longest one is three minutes at most but they are so effective. Like I've done these in the middle of speeches, even when I, when I feel anxiety rising. And if they'd like to find that, um, there are some links on my website and I can drop that in the show notes as well. The other one that I really encourage people to check out is what I call free hypnosis Fridays. It's where I give out a free hypnotic test drive to people who are curious about what hypnosis feels like. And it's not just general techniques, um, just putting them in a good state. Each session, I'm actually using proven techniques to work through a specific issue. Um, In the past, I've done anxiety relief. I've got one coming out for panic attacks. Some have been on food cravings and building momentum for 2021. I think if anyone is actually curious about what hypnosis is and how it can help them, that's an excellent place to start. My handle is at making your meaning. That's awesome. And I realized my podcast was not following you. So I'm following you now. Um, I already like took a little glance over it. It all looks amazing. Um, you know, I think these are great tools, great resources, um, a great place to start. Um, Doug's a very approachable, very charismatic, very nice person. So I think like if any of my listeners feel like they need, you know, someone or something to help them a little further than just me screaming into a microphone every week with (laughs) random people. Um, Please reach out to Doug. Of course, all of that's going to be in the description. Um, And uh, do you have any parting words for my listeners? I would say that hope is realistic and not not, not to be cliche about it, talking about mental health and everything, but when you're on the other side of it and you see how far you've come, that's when you're going to be thankful for it. So if anyone is struggling right now, 
I really encourage you to, to hold on. And not only that, to find something that gives you meaning in your current situation, because it's only by holding on to that meaning that that hope that things are going to get better, that sometimes we can really get through those tough times. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you again. I appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to be on the podcast. Um, To my listeners again, this is Doug Sands. Please reach out to him. I'll put all the description um, links in the description as always. And thank you, Doug. I hope you have a blessed rest of your week. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you. you. All right. Bye. my goodness, I am so excited to announce that of merch, it is my 90s fantasy. And I just have to say thank you to my friend, dear, dear friend, Lara, who is the second guest ever of my podcast. We just celebrated one year of the podcast. We now have a lovely website. She helped me help computer. Uh, and uh, so if you want to live your 90s fantasy, we've got mugs, we've got blankets, we've got fanny packs. We're, we're working on a denim jacket. There's a lot. There's a lot going on. So go to please don't kick me slash shop and buy some merch, y'all. Hey, listeners, I wanted to share a special promotion for you from Dash of Pep. Dash of Pep is a clothing boutique that offers non-binary clothing that has fun prints that support mental health and empowering you to be your best self. In this pandemic, it is great to shop small and support small businesses like Dash of Pep. More than 50% of my wardrobe is from her adorable store. Robin at Dash of Pep has graciously given me a promo code for you to use at checkout. Use P-D-K-M-O to receive 15% off your order. Again, that is www.dash of pep.com and you can enter p-d-k-m-o at checkout to receive 15% off your order. This has been Please Don't Kick Me Out, a podcast about imposter syndrome. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, like, comment, share, tell a friend. You know, that's how I'm going to keep these stories going. Also, if you want to be a podcast guest, you can reach out to me at pdkmopodcast at gmail.com and we can get it set up. Thanks everyone for your continued support. And I look forward to, you know, connecting with you again next Monday.